invite you to remain standing this morning for our reading of Scripture. First, ver- uh, first of two passages comes out of Exodus chapter 20. We read verses 4 through 6, and the second today out of Acts chapter 17, verses 16 through 21. First, the words of Moses, Exodus 24 through 6. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of parents to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. And now we flip over to Acts 17, 16 through 31. And hear these words of Luke. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he argued in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and also in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Also, some Epicurean and Stoic philosophers debated with him. Some said, what does this babbler want to say? Other says he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign divinities. This was because he was telling the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. So they took him and brought him to the Areopagus and asked him, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? It sounds rather strange to us so that we would like to know what it means. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners living there would spend their time in nothing but telling or hearing something new. Then Paul stood in front of the Areopagus and said, Athenians, I see how extremely religious you are in every way. For as I went through the city and looked carefully at the objects of your worship, I found among them an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it, He who is Lord of heaven and earth does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mortals life and breath and all things. From one ancestor he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth, and he allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live, so that they would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him, though indeed He is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and love and have our beings, as even some of your own poets have said, for we too are his offspring. Since we are God's offspring, we ought not to think that the deity is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of mortals, while God has overlooked the times of human ignorance Now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed the day on which he will have the world judged in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. I invite you to be seated. Author Chuck Bentley writes, There's a name for God that we seldom ever use. That name is Jealous. Sounds strange, doesn't it? 
When we call someone jealous, we usually use it to design to point out a character flaw. And when we think of all the names of God, jealous is not the one that we normally come to. How can something we consider be contributed to God that we use to point out flaws? And how can that especially be one of His names? Well, today in our scripture out of Exodus 20, we read that God himself reveals to Moses that he is a jealous God. And then later in Exodus 34, 14, we read, Do not worship any other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. In the late 1960s, there was a popular TV western called The Guns of Will Sonnet. The Guns of Will Sonnet. Dad, was that a Western that you watched? The Guns of Will Sonnet? Good to have Dad and Mona here today. I think I've seen every John Wayne Western ever made at least three times because of him. The biggest Western fan that I've ever met, and he will argue that with you to the point. The series called The Guns of Will Sonnet, and it starred Walter Brennan. Walter Brennan, he played the title role, and he was a scripture-quoting man with a reputation for unparalleled gun-fighting skills. As the series progressed, though, viewers saw that Walter Brennan actually talked himself out of more gunfights than he actually got into, simply by, say, by using a truthful statement that was his moniker, no brag, just fat. No brag, just fat. I'm going to start using that one a lot. <laughs> God has the title of jealous because God is the only one worthy of our unadulterated, undying, unconditional affection and adoration no brag just fact the complete worthiness of ultimate praise grants god and god alone the right to be a jealous god no brag just fact today we continue our worship series on the 10 commandments Entitled 10, the study of God's unwavering commands. And today we look at the second commandment. Worship God and nothing else. Worship God and nothing else. No brag, just fact. You know, the, if we look at it, the second commandment is almost a logical continuation of the first, is it not? It's almost as if we're going, moving from one to the other and that it's very similar, but it's, it's also not. It's saying something in, a, in addition. Um, it's almost as if God is using it as a clarification of the first while adding another dimension onto it. The first commandment says, love God and nothing else. And more than anything else. 
we're reminded that it is not saying that you can't love things, that you can't love other people, but nothing should we love more than God. Nothing in our life should come before God. The second commandment is saying, worship God and nothing else. Verses 4 and 5 of Exodus chapter 20, we actually should read together as one. I know it's broken up in our scripture reading, but it should be read as one together. And it should read, you shall not make for yourself an idol and worship it. Okay, so this is what the second commandment is not saying. The second commandment is not saying that we can't have other people that we look up to. It's not saying that we can't have even folks... Uh, that, that we, quote, idolize. But what it is saying is that we are not to worship anything or anyone but God. Are you with me this morning? Say amen. amen. The language of the commandment. We talked a little bit about this last week. The language of the commandment used here, you may have heard it, and I think the King James Version, the version that I memorized all the commandments on, says, Thou shalt not create for yourself a graven image to worship. There's that translation. There's the one that we use, but they all mean the same. The word graven image just translates to mean idol. Idol. Again, Remember, the language used in all the commandments was designed to speak to the level of the people of antiquity so that they would best be able to understand it. Worship of, of, of graven images, worship of, of statues, of different kinds of uh, ornaments or uh, different um, items uh, was very, very prominent, okay? Um, deities and, and little g-gods were often given likenesses, uh, particularly animal likenesses, in order that they may be able to turn something intangible, like the idea of a god, into something tangible. Makes sense, right? God used the language that they would understand. And it was also, it's kind of unique, the things you pick up and you read deep into the scriptures. God making this as the second commandment also in this instance serves almost more like a, serves as a foreshadowing of things to take place. Perhaps the best story, uh, the best idol story in all of scripture takes place immediately after the presentation of the commandments were given to Moses. And in all actuality, Moses was not likely the only one who heard the commandments spoken by God. Moses was not likely the only one who heard God speak the commandments. Listen to Exodus chapter 19, verses 7 through 11. We're going to do some scripture reading today, so strap in. You ready? Listen to Exodus 19, 7 through 11. 
So Moses came, summoned the elders of the people, set, them, uh, set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. This is before the commandments are spoken, okay? The people all answered as one, Everything that the Lord has spoken we will do. Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud in order that the people may hear when I speak with you. And so trust you ever after. When Moses had told the words of the people to the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and concentrate, excuse me, consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and prepare for the third day, because on the third day the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Now let's flip over to Exodus chapter 20 and read verses 18 through 21. This is immediately after the spoken presentation of God to Moses of the Ten Commandments. Are you with me so far? This is immediately after. Exodus 20, 18 through 21 says this. When all the people witnessed the thunder and the lightning, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, they were afraid and trembled and stood at a distance and said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid, for God has only come to test you and to put the fear of him upon you so that you do not sin. Then the people stood at a distance while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. It is likely the Israelites were first-hand witnesses to God speaking the commandments to Moses. But guess what they would do? While Moses was still on Mount Sinai, receiving the commands and the further instructions from God. Anybody know the story that comes next? Let's listen to Exodus 32, 1 through 9. I told you we were going to read some scripture. Is that okay? Can we read the word of God for the people of God today? Exodus 32, 1 through 9. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered around Aaron and said to him, Come, make gods for us who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Aaron said to them, Take off the gold rings that are on the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the gold rings from the ears, brought them to Aaron. He took the gold from them, formed it into a mold, and cast an image on a, of a calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel. Little g-gods, by the way. Israel, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a festival to the Lord. They rose early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought sacrifices of well-being. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to revel. The Lord said to Moses, go down at once. Your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have acted perversely. They have been quick to turn aside from the way that I have commanded them. They have cast for themselves an image of a calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it. And said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. I can just hear 
the wrath in God's voice as he's talking to Moses. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, how stiff-necked they are. Hello. I don't want God calling me stiff-necked. So it is likely they heard God speak the commandments, and then what did they do? They turned around and immediately did what they were just commanded not to do. Folks, when we know something is wrong and we do it anyways, there will be consequences. Allison is finding that out firsthand at home. When we don't listen, there's consequences. Isn't that right, Allison? Yes. The same works with God. It may not be as obvious as the Israelites, but when we do not listen to the commands that God gives, there will be consequences. You know, we could go on and on and on with theories behind this particular story, and this is a story for another sermon. You know, things that, that maybe, did they actually hear it? Did they just hear the thunder? Could they make out God's voice? Could they understand God? Or could only Moses? You know, all that, we could flush all that out. We could say they did this because they were impatient. That, that they were, that some scholars have said they were using this to try to replace Moses. While other scholars have said they tried to make the calf and say this is the visible image of the God that spoke to us. They perhaps most likely used a calf because many Egyptian gods were in the forms of cows and calves and oxes and bulls. You know, we could go on and, 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 and symbolize and get some good, good uh, feedback and outcomes from this sermon for us today. My favorite part is actually when Moses goes down and confronts Aaron, Aaron has the audacity to tell Moses, it just came out of the fire that way. <laughs> came out of the fire that way, my foot. Read through the rest of, that, of Exodus 32 and you'll see the interaction between Moses and God, how Moses pulled God's wrath back and down, an interaction of how Moses with the people was not very pretty when Moses got back down, and how Aaron made excuse after excuse after excuse for why they blatantly disobeyed God. It just came out that way. Yeah, I tried that one when I was little. It don't work. The point for us today in this context, in this message, is this. God has commanded that we are not to make and worship anything in this world. Someone say amen. God is so good and surpasses our understanding so much that there is nothing in this world that can capture it. Anything we would try to create, to try to capture the magnificence of God, would only be something of the works of human hands. It would have limits. Therefore, would draw more attention to the work of our hands rather than the creator of our hands who it's supposed to represent. Folks, God is a spirit. We cannot capture 
nor should we even try to capture the, the form of a spirit, especially the spirit of God that is so magnificent and vast that there is nothing in this world that we can conceive that would come close to even giving us a glimpse of the picture of God. God says there's nothing, so don't even try it because you will not get it. Our God has the right to be that magnificent. Hello? Our God is a jealous God and has the right to be a jealous God. This is the exact message that Paul is bringing to the people of Athens in Acts chapter 17. That the God that they claim is unknown, that they tried yet again, even through the years. Now, we'll give the people of Athens a little bit of credit. They likely never, ever heard not only the story of Jesus, they likely never uh, had heard the law of, of Moses, the Torah. They were probably raised in the pagan ways and did not know these commands. But even the pagan ways tried to capture gods in images. And Paul is saying to them, the God that you claim is unknown, that you claim to capture in stone form, is actually known to us today, is present now, has always been present, and will always be present for all eternity to come. Now, one thing of interest here, Paul, if you read through all of his letters, and even here as Luke is describing the actions of Paul, Paul never pretended to be the one bringing God to the people as if God had never been there. God is all-present. God is a spirit, cannot be captured or held down by anything. God has always been everywhere. And we can't even bring the message of God because the message, the presence of God is everywhere. I just thought that was a cool tidbit to add. Not even Paul pretended to bring God because he said God has always been here. We have the assurance the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we need to know that God is here with us, was with us, will always be with us. We do not need to chase after idols or to invent idols or worship counterfeit gods. The one true God who is alive has revealed himself through Jesus Christ. Focusing on Jesus is the solution to idolatry in this world. Focusing on Jesus is the solution to idolatry. So the question then becomes, what is an idol? I'm so glad you asked. Tim Keller, pastor and author, wrote these words about idols. He calls idols counterfeit gods. And Tim Keller says, anything more important to you than God, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, anything you seek to give uh, you what only God can give. 
A counterfeit God is anything so central and essential to your life that should you lose it, your life would feel hardly worth living. A great way to approach this definition is for all of us to be asking the question, what or whom can't I live without in this world? What or whom can't I live without? Here's where it's going to get rough, y'all. Are you ready for just a few minutes of roughness? An idol is something that we create and is something that we worship. It can be an object. It can be intangible, such as an idea, such as a career, such as a relationship, such as a hobby. An idol can be made out of anything and everything. An idol can be a person. It can be a celebrity or an athlete or a, a singer, an author. And this is where it gets rough. Dare we say it, an idol can even be made of a spouse or a child. An idol can be an ill place or wrongfully interpreted belief. The measuring stick we can use to determine if something has become an idol to us is this. Does this person, place, or thing get in the way of me loving God? Does this get in the way of me loving God? And does it get in the way of me loving my neighbor because of my first love for God? That is our measuring stick, folks. Does it get in my way of loving God? Does it cause me not to love my neighbor because of my first love for God? Author John Stott, Stott, not Stapp. Author John Stott says, Idols are dead. God is living. Idols are false. God is true. Idols are many. God is one. Idols are visible and tangible. God is visible and intangible. Idols are creatures, the work of human hands. God is the creator of the universe and all humankind. I like it. Idols are dead and untrue. Idols are the work of our hands. Idols are our own creations. We invent a God and then worship it. While the true God, the living God, the creator God is waiting and watching and longing for our devotion. And all of our devotion. So the question for us becomes, what or whom can't I live without? The answer must be God. The answer must be God. 
What is getting in the way of me loving God? And what is getting in the way of me loving my neighbor because of my love for God? Some of us won't like the answers to those questions. And you know what? That's okay. That just means we have some growing to do. We have some pruning to do. We have some learning to do. And we have some loving of each other to do. So what idols are we having? How do we turn only our worship only to our God? This is the gospel message today, folks. Our God is known. Our God's always been here. Our God is here right now. And no matter what this world tries to throw, it cannot throw God out. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen.